CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here with you. And today, which is April 30th when we're recording this, we're going to talk about a hot button issue with Illini Inquirer members and Illinois fans in general and that is Illinois football recruiting. Yes, we're going to talk about Illinois football recruiting, which right now is really struggling in the prep rankings compared to the rest of the Big Ten. Just one commitment, none since early December. Samari Callier, the quarterback out of Texas, still the only commitment in that class, uh, while the rest of the Big Ten is doing really well. All the schools, all the other 13 schools in the top 45 of the recruiting rankings, and Big Ten West rivals like Minnesota and Iowa both in the top 10 right now, top eight of those rankings. Missouri under Eli Drinkwitz is on a roll. They landed Travion Ford right before we started recording this podcast. So as another top Illini target off the board, I'm going to get into a conversation with Ryan Eastling about what's going on there and what we make of what's going on there. So we'll talk about that. But we also have to discuss a positive of Illinois football recruiting, and that has been the transfer portal. And Illinois landed yet another former top 247 prospect uh, this week in Brian Hightower, a six foot three, 210-pound wide receiver who had offers from basically every program in the country. California native went to IMG Academy where he played with Virtus Brown, also uh, Houston Griffith, uh, Howard Griffith's son. So a uh, very talented player who shined at the highest stage, but did not at Miami, and he's looking for another opportunity. And Illinois has recruited fantastically well there. I wrote about it this week and talked about how that's really given a shot in the arm to this program. They just haven't been able to capitalize off that success and parlay it into prep success and get prep recruits really excited about them. So talk about that with Ryan. But first, I want to give you a little bit of a scouting report on one Brian Hightower, the wide receiver out of Miami. So we're going to start this podcast off talking to David Lake, 24-7 Sports. He covers Miami to talk a little bit about Brian Hightower. All right, David Lakes covers Miami for 24-7 Sports. David, Illinois is getting Brian Hightower, a former four-star prospect out of IMG Academy. Let's start there. When Miami got a commitment from him, what was what was the thought uh, with what the Canes were getting? Yeah, it was definitely a big, t- a big deal at the time. It was fairly early in the uh, tenure of the Mark Rick era, and Quite honestly, Miami hadn't had much success recruiting ING Academy. And again, quite frankly, it came out of nowhere. His commitment to Miami, um, you know, he just kind of popped on Twitter one night and said he was committing to Miami. Just a little bit unexpected, but he, he stuck with that commitment. He's a guy that's from California originally. So when he committed, it was kind of a situation where it was like, okay, let's let's really watch and see if this one sticks. But and then it ended up sticking, and I, I believe he was even an early enrollee with that recruiting class. And honestly, he flashed some potential as a freshman too. Yeah. So when he got there, uh, what was the skill set? What was it? What was Miami getting in in the prospect? What did they think he could become? Yeah, so he's a guy that's going to be a big-bodied receiver that doesn't necessarily have, you know, top-end elite speed, but he's kind of a crafty guy who can still he can still generate um, separation by changing speeds and changing direction, and probably his best trait is his ability to attack the ball in the air when it's thrown his way. So. He's a guy that I think can be effective in the red zone, uh, winning those 50-50 balls, coming down with touchdowns uh, in that area of the field. Is he a guy that's necessarily going to stretch the field 
as a deep threat, probably not. Um, but he's definitely a guy I think that can certainly play and produce at the power five level. Why did he, you know, I think a lot of these prospects think they'll come in and be stars right away, but why didn't he make a, a big impact, especially his sophomore season at Miami? Yeah, so I think, so he came in with four wide receivers in his recruiting class. And, you know, I think of those four guys, he was probably the furthest along as a freshman um, in terms of his polish. But, you know, after that first year or first 18 months, I think the other guys in the class caught up to him. And, you know, quite frankly, they just have more speed. And Miami definitely values speed, as everyone does, on their offense. And so those guys kind of started getting more and more playing time over Brian. And, you know, I think that's just frustrating for any player. I don't blame him. I mean, he was a guy that was playing more than them as freshmen. And then I think as a sophomore, that kind of flipped. And, you know, that can be a tough situation for any college player to go through. So he wanted to explore his options. Obviously, you didn't see a lot of him in games, but did, did you see him at practice? What what did he flash during practice, or would you see? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he can make difficult catches when he's covered, you know, fairly tight. Um, he really does have good body control for being a guy that's 6'2", 6'3". I think when he was a freshman, he might. He either scored the first receiving touchdown of that season or the second receiving touchdown of that season for the team um, when they opened the year against LSU and Miami was trying to come back in that game. I think he scored a third or fourth quarter touchdown off the top of my head. I forget, but, you know, he, he is a guy. There is talent there. Uh, the ability to score touchdowns in the red zone if I was an Illinois fan, is what I would expect to see. Um, you know, I think he can be a 7 to 10 touchdown, you know, 10 being the absolute best situation. By the end of his career, he can be a 7 touchdown to 10 touchdown in a season type guy. Yeah, and they, they had that via the transfer portal last year. Joshi Matorbebe, similarly ranked as a prospect, uh, had nine touchdowns in his first year at Illinois, so it'd be interesting. Um, I, I didn't know it was a trade at the time, but Illinois fans weren't happy about Jeff Thomas you know, going back to Miami. But they ended up getting Derek Smith and Brian Hightower out of the deal. What, what do you think of the Illinois end of that deal? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think Jeff Thomas certainly is uber-talented. He's a guy that, you know, this past weekend, he did not get drafted. But I think if he shows signs of maturing and, you know, takes that next step with his work ethic, he's going to stick on the Patriots. Like, the talent is there. No one questions the talent. It's just now up to Jeff Thomas whether or not he really wants to, you know, make a living playing football. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look – The Jeff Thomas experience is full of ups and downs and twists and turns. I would still say, I mean, Jeff didn't do anything at Miami really this year. I would probably say I would take Jeff Thomas over those two players just because of the pure talent and upside. Um, But would it shock me if like Brian Hightower ends up having one season that's better than any of Jeff Thomas's seasons at the college level? It honestly would not shock me if that happened. Yeah, what do you think? I, you know, I know I asked you about it at the time, David. But what do you think of Derek Smith? Um, kind of fills that. I think Illinois is going to play him at safety. I know he's kind of bounced around as a rover. Could he be a linebacker? Sounds like Illinois is going to yeah. play him at safety. Where, where do you think of him at the Power Five level? I view him. I view him as that rover or that hybrid guy who's like a, you know, a mix between a, a safety and a linebacker. And honestly. I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think that's where college football defense is going as, you know, more and more coordinators are are searching for answers on how to limit these spread offenses. And so I think he is a guy that 
is more athletic than a linebacker um, and, and, and brings some coverage ability at that level of the defense. I'm not, you know, he actually, when he did transfer, he was flashing all over the place during that training camp. He was making plays. It's just a matter of, again, Miami had guys over him. He wanted to make the most of his opportunity at the college level, and it just wasn't going to happen at Miami for him. I think he is a guy that does have talent. Um, it's just, in my opinion, I think he's best served as like a in-the-box safety or even that, like at Miami, they call it the striker position, yeah. which is a hybrid linebacker safety type role. I think he could really excel in that type of role. Dave, before we let you go, any other Miami guys in the transfer portal? Because that, that seems to be where Illinois is kind of focused. Is there kind of transfer you at this point? Uh, the only one I know of off the top of my head is quarterback Jaron Williams, mm-hmm. their starter last year. He's still searching for a home. Um, I don't know if Illinois is in the market for a quarterback, but he's he's certainly a guy that I think, you know, he flashed some talent at Miami last year, did some nice things. But again, the maturity, maturity is a question mark there, and nobody really wants to see that question mark at the quarterback position. So if Jaron does grow up and, and takes those steps, who wherever he goes is going to get a really nice quarterback. Um so it'll be interesting to see where he does land. David Lakes, 24-7 Sports, covers Miami. David, really appreciate the time, man. All right, Jeremy. Thank you. All right, when we come back in the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's break it all down and get a big perspective with Ryan Easterling, Illini Enquirer. He's covered Illinois football recruiting for a long time. What's he make of what's going on right now? That's next. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner here with Ryan Easterling doing a little bit of a Zoom chat. Might put some video out from this as well. What's up, Ryan? How you doing, man? I mean, it's just good to see a familiar <laughs> face at this point. Yeah, I mean, what's what's your day-to-day like right, man? How many people are you actually interacting with? Uh, well, with work and everything, we've been doing a lot of like uh, video-type calls. We've been trying to do as many of the video conferencing calls as possible, so... That's good, but I mean, it's just it's hard to replace seeing people in person and being able to interact on a day to day basis. But trying to make the best of it and just kind of roll with the punches. Yeah, I, I don't know how many people know Ryan what you do. Like, kind of a big wig over there. Oh, I'm no, I'm no big wig. It's just uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd, if anything, really. Engineering, right? Tell people what you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm an electrical engineer. I do uh, work with power generation plants. So. Um, you know, whether it's any of the renewables, coal plants, gas, fire generation. So that's kind of my, my alter ego when I'm not doing sports things. I, I get like texts from, yeah, I'm, I'm in Wyoming or I'm in Southern Indiana by Terre Haute or something like that all the time. Or Alaska. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the most random place you've been in? Oh man, I've been to some random places. Uh, so one of the places I was at for a while, and this is perfect timing for this one, is uh, I was in Williston, North Dakota for a power plant construction and startup, which happens to be the hometown of Phil Jackson. There you go. Or at least his childhood home. I don't think he, I think he was born in Montana and then uh, his family moved to Williston, which I don't blame him for getting out. <laughs> well, let me ask you, <laughs> uh, you're a little bit younger than I am. Uh, watching this last dance, what kind of memories is bringing up or what are you learning? Uh, I mean, you're definitely seeing a side of the team that you didn't see when you're watching them just on TV playing games. Right. 
Um, but I think it's cool to kind of just understand that team dynamic a lot better. I mean, you know, you see what a lot of professional athletes are like nowadays, but you kind of get to see what, what life was like back in the nineties and, uh, some very interesting wardrobe choices back in the day. So uh, that's been kind of fun seeing everybody in the old baggy fits. All right, Ryan, we want to get into Illinois football recruiting, and it's such an interesting time for that because just before we uh, got on to do this, we, we planned to do this before the news, uh, Travion Ford, four-star defensive end, who is really one of the top prospects I thought Illinois had a legitimate chance with because uh, there's not very many highly ranked guys, you know, top 400 guys that I think Illinois is really, really involved well with, at least that we know to this point. And high school recruiting is is not going well. I mean, let's just put it bluntly. it's It's been uh, terrible so far that you only have one commit. You haven't had a commit from high school kid in now almost six months. Uh, once we get to, what, May 7th, uh, Samari Collier is the only one on board, and we've seen he's kind of more of a uh, soft verbal, though I think he'll, he'll stick on here. Um, while you see Missouri just going crazy with their in-state prospects, uh, you see Minnesota, and, and more importantly, I know fans are really looking at what P.J. Fleck is doing, but what Iowa and Kirk Ferentz are doing, and now Mel Tucker up at Michigan State. Uh, we'll get into the transfer recruiting, which I love, and and hey, they got a walk-on commit who's intriguing to me, but the high school recruiting is just not in a good place right now, and while there's still a lot of time left, and I thought last year they added some good prospects late in the process. There's no question, Ryan, they're, they're lagging behind their Big Ten counterparts. Yeah, as, as well as they've done on the transfer market over the last couple of years, they're struggling equally on the prep market. And, you know, for as much as emphasis as they put into St. Louis over the last few years, they've, they've kind of fallen off there. I mean, and I don't know if it, I don't think it has anything to do with the lack of effort from Corey Patterson. I think some of it is just that, you know, Missouri being back, Drinkwitz really, really got in there and got hit the ground running as far as recruiting locally. Um, there was an interesting comment that Ford made when he when he announced his commitment, saying that that staff really prioritized keeping all the talent in Missouri at home, and that's something that I've always felt strongly about for the state of Illinois that Illinois needs to be doing. Uh, you really got to secure the borders and, and keep those guys home. You know, you don't have to fill out your entire roster and your entire recruiting class from within the state, but you really want to make those guys feel important. You want to try and keep the best players home. Um, and I think that kind of comes gradually over time with establishing pride in playing for your home state, um, you know, establishing this, this tradition of, of playing for the home state program. And I think that's something that's kind of fallen off, but just in general, I mean, you see all the other programs, whether it's big 10, uh, some sec programs, um, or a school like Notre Dame that's just invaded the borders in the state of Illinois over the last two years. And Illinois hasn't really done much to fight them off. And it's, it's been a little bit concerning. Yeah. I'm not asking, I don't think you should ask the the staff to, to take huge chances and just take borderline prospects. That's not the key, but you want to land some top 25, top 30 kids. And I think Bob McClain has done a really nice job of spreading a wide net with offensive linemen. Last year they did offer 19 guys, but the, the proof is in the results and, and they haven't had a, in-state guy signed with them or even you know Jaden Thompson was was headed that way and they did a good job with him but uh outside of their control he's not able to come here but still I mean just one that year and you didn't sign any of them this year you don't have commits yet from in-state um for whatever reason I mean the first year with Sternquist leading that recruiting department they're able to get a lot of really good in-state prospects including Kendrick Green and there really did seem to be a focused in-state and in the last three years it just hasn't resonated and whether it's People holding Illinois to a higher standard or still Illinois not winning enough games, it's it's not resonating right now for in-state prospects. And that's usually where you can kind of get the ball rolling, Ryan, is you can build some momentum in-state. Maybe that gets over uh, into St. Louis because a, a lot of the Southern kids, some of them make decisions later on, especially Florida kids, and, and I expect them to do well there again. Uh, but it's just trying to build momentum. I mean, you've covered this long enough. I, I think it really matters in the process. And right now... Illinois has, it feels like negative momentum. As hard as, you know, some of the staff might work to, to go and get these guys, it, it's not getting results right now. Yeah, it's kind of an inter interesting situation. You know, they've, they've won more games each of the last two years. They make it to a bowl game this yeah. year. And it feels like they're actually taking a step backwards when it comes to recruiting. I mean, they, like I said, they've done well in the transfer market. Picking up a guy like a Brian Hightower is, is great. You know, they've addressed some other needs like Blake Gerasati. 
great pickup on the offensive line. But, you know, you've got to be able to parlay that success and that, that increased buzz into recruiting success. You know, that's an opportunity to build on that momentum to, you know, continue to, to grow the program. And, and it's not just a matter of the progress on the field. Those two things have to go hand in hand. And so, you know, whether it's, whether it's a matter of relationships that, that aren't necessarily being taken care of and that they just expect things to fall in place by themselves, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think for the in-state thing, especially with the, the condition it was in when they first took over, I mean, they got some good guys in-state early on, but I just kind of wonder if maybe the expectation was there that, that the state should take care of them as opposed to them also taking care of the coaches and the programs and the players in the state. Um, you know, and the thing is, if if the guys aren't available in the state of Illinois, they're going to have to make hay in Texas and Florida mm-hmm. and California, maybe Georgia, Alabama, places like that. Because if the players aren't available here, unless you really reach, you're going to have to go elsewhere. And unfortunately, that's going to increase the narrative of, oh, they don't recruit the state of Illinois. It's now it's we had to go somewhere else to get guys because we're not getting the guys from the state of Illinois. And that's fine if you're landing Isaiah Williams, Marquez Beeson, Shimon Cooper, Okpala, uh, even Keith Randolph was an in-state guy, but down in the St. Louis area, like that, that fine, that's fine, all right? But right now you're not even doing that at this point. So just, that's just a long-term concern for me. And, and we'll, we'll give them some kudos here in, in a second on their transfer mark because I love what, they're do, love what they're doing there. But um, long-term, that's the concern here is if I'm Illinois – and I know Lovey Smith is probably like, you guys are worrying way too early about this, but I, I just compare it to their Big Ten peers, and, and they're lagging right now when it comes to long-term recruiting of who do you think is going to be better, uh, what Minnesota has right now with their classes in four years, or what Illinois has right now on their roster in four years, and right now how can you not go Minnesota or Iowa or you know even a team like Michigan State that, that's uh, getting some recruiting momentum with Mel Tucker, but and Purdue is the same way. Um, so I think they at least Ryan just have to sit there and look at their process and say, evaluate it and be like, okay, why are we off to these slow starts? Why is our cell not resonating with it? And I think they have to approach that because the, the slow starts, I just think build on each other. As we talked about, I think recruiting momentum matters and I don't know if it's, Hey, do they need to push harder or do they need to resonate more early offer? They've done some guys they early offer, then others we have our scratch in our head, like Jeremiah Pittman or Benjamin Perry. It doesn't make sense to offer those guys late. Though when you offer a guy early like Dominic Lovett, it doesn't seem to matter, right? So mm-hmm. it's this weird conundrum of whatever it is, that the process right now or the sell right now isn't working. And I just think they have to evaluate that. And Lovey Smith has to look at it and be like, in year four, year five, like this needs to be better than it is right now. Yeah, I think there's two ways you can look at it. I mean, one thing is, you know, really at the end of the day, the results are what matter. But I think what you do now can also influence the results at the end of the day. Yeah. So how you get to the finish line is just as important as what state you're in when you get to the finish line. So, I mean, you know, if you if you run a marathon and expect to just sprint through the last mile of it, unless you're really built for that, it's probably not the best approach. You know, you kind of want to take it slow and steady, you know, continue to build that momentum as you go along, pace yourself, you know, it, they've done well. I, I will give them credit. They've done well closing out towards the end of classes mm-hmm. historically, but this almost feels a little bit different than some of those classes in the past, because some of those guys they would have normally closed with aren't available now because they've committed earlier. So I think that's part of the reason for concern to some extent, at least in that, in that regard. Um, but I think, perception plays a big role in a lot of this too, you know, with a current climate of what's going on right now in the world with this pandemic, that's keeping a lot of people off the road. It's keeping Illinois from hosting recruits during the spring. And that, I guess that's another interesting point is I've always felt that that Illinois from a recruiting standpoint has done better in those very personal settings, those very personal relationships where you can get to really know the guy one-on-one or, you know, in small group settings other than, you know, Zoom calls like this, you can't do that right now. So you really need to adapt. And maybe that's where the, the disconnect is that they're not adapting to the current, <clears throat> excuse me, current circumstances. And it's, you know, whereas their competition is, other schools are, and that's how they've been able to continue to have uh, progress and momentum, whereas Illinois kind of just seems stuck in the mud. Right. I, I can tell you this staff does do well. 
in those personal settings. I feel like that's where Lovey Smith plays well is when you get him in that mm-hmm. office. And I feel like the, the whole family atmosphere they talk about, I, I can tell you people in that program and recruits say it's true that when they get on campus, it's different. And that obviously hurt them, but it hasn't hurt everyone else. Again, that that's what it comes down to is you see these other programs going nuts with commitments during this pandemic. Well, because it feels like some of these guys just want to wrap up their spots. Um, while, while Illinois is sitting here with, with none during it. And, and that's the concern. And, you know, Travion Ford, you'd love to have his commitment, but even guys like Josh Krutz or, you know, some of these in-state kids that you've early offered and, and some of these guys that you feel like you're in good position with, whether it's Raheem Craig, a, a pass rusher out of the Carolinas, like those are the guys I feel like you, you could possibly get on board, but for whatever reason, you're not able to, to get them across the finish line here. So, yeah, I, I just think I don't have exactly what the answer is, but you just look at the results so far, and it would just lead me, Ryan, to say, okay, what kind of approach do we need to do different? Like, do we need to focus on in-state a little bit more earlier on in the process? Do we need to push harder for some of these guys and maybe get a little bit more aggressive uh, than, than we want to get in the past? Or do we just have to reevaluate how we've kind of gone about the recruiting process? Because, you know, if you hear, you know, from some people, I, I think Illinois works hard, but if you, if you hear that, you know, some guys are – some prospects are hearing from other schools more. That's an issue when you're a program that has to, you know, get above those programs and maybe has to do a little bit more to land these guys than some of these programs that have had more success. Yeah, and I think that there's there's a difference between working hard and working smart. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing both, that's when you have the most success. You know, you can you can put in less effort in some things and have more success if you do it in the most efficient way possible. But sometimes you have to put in that effort to get yourself over the hump. And so with where Illinois was and with where they kind of stand right now, they have to continue to put in that effort and really push. Um, you know, one thing that's been kind of interesting in, in my, in my normal career is that right now with all the circumstances that have changed, one of the things we did when this first all hit was we sat down and said, okay, how can we parlay this chaos into capitalizing on it right. and find ways to be creative, find ways to, you know, adapt to our current circumstances. You know, the things that are outside of your control, you can't control. Um, but you can, what you can do is you can change how you respond to those things. And I think, you know, taking a step back, looking at things from a high level, looking at things from a, maybe an approach or a, a philosophy level gives you an opportunity to reevaluate what you're doing and maybe make some tweaks to your process. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't adapt to a, an ever-changing environment, that's a good way to become less and less efficient with what you do and be less successful at what you do as your environment changes. Lovey Smith said that himself. <laughs> he said that mm-hmm. when he was on a teleconference with us. He said, this could be a chance where you can get ahead of people. And when it comes to recruiting, that certainly hasn't happened. With this team, maybe it has, right? With all the workout yeah. videos you're seeing. And maybe with the transfer market, that's true. And we'll get into that here. Uh, but some of the guys that I'm really interested in that, hey, listen, these aren't you know the, the elitist uh, of recruits here, but some guys that I think they, they could try and push for right now and, and possibility of getting these guys on board would be Otto Hess, an offensive lineman that they got in as the wave was coming. Uh, Josh Krutz, I mean, what a story that would be, but I also like him as a football player and as a foundational guy that kind of continues what they've done on that offensive line with guys like Doug Kramer, Alex Palczewski. I think he could be a key part of that. I've liked their linebacker recruiting. Kudos to Miles Smith. I think they've offered a wide net of intriguing prospects, including Dylan Hazen, Trevor Moffitt, uh, Diedrich Smith, Derek Smith's brother. I think those are all guys that they could sit there and, and, and do well with and at least get the ball rolling a little bit more in this class. And I just feel like all those guys are pretty gettable right now, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are guys that if you push now and have and you can capitalize on now because of that opportunity is there that you wait longer, more schools get involved and it becomes more, more competition. It's more challenging to get them, you know, You've got, with a guy like Diedrich Smith, perfect example. You've got his brother on the team. He was feeling Illinois. I thought he might have committed about a month ago. Right. And then it just never ended up coming to be. And I don't know if they just wanted him to hold off or if he's just not ready yet. Maybe some other schools got in his ear and told him to wait. I don't know. Like in kind, uh, Josh Krutz, Lovey coached his dad. I mean, you don't get much closer than that. Like Josh was probably around Lovey quite a bit growing up. 
probably around that family as long as Olin was with the bears. And so, I mean, that's another one. You've got such a great relationship already established. You kind of, I, you almost feel like you know everything you need to know about the player at that point, right? Or at least, at least in, as a person. And, you know, you've got good film, you've done your evaluation on the film to know whether to offer him or not. So, you know, to me, you've offered the guy, you've known him for years. Uh, why, why not try and close that down? Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's one of the questions that we have that we're probably not going to get an answer to for a while. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you know, you start to see maybe they they start to change that approach and, and try and close in on some of those guys because, really, like, it, and you know, on top of on top of just the fact that they're not getting these guys, other schools are going to be able to point at that and say that, like, yeah. hey, listen, hop on the train, like, you know, we're we've got this thing rolling, we're going, and you know, they're not doing anything right now. I mean, every staff you talk to would like to say they don't negative recruit. Listen, they do. It happens, right? And and. If a kid is like, say, I don't know this happened, but like, say a four-star prospect like Travion Ford was like, man, I really like Illinois. All, all those other schools got to do is go, look at their commitment list, right? Where, yeah. Where's Lovey going? Who else are you coming with? Right. Yeah. Who, who's who's going to play with you? Who'd they put in the NFL draft, right? And while that's not all on Lovey, because mm-hmm. a lot of these these last couple of senior classes have been Beckman and Cubic guys, they, they can still use that against Illinois. And uh, Illinois hasn't had the answer to that so far. Yeah, it may and it may not necessarily have to be a fair argument. All you gotta right. do is convince that kid that it's true. And so that's recruiting, you know, man. That's recruiting right now. I, I know you. I mean, there's these kids go under a lot of pressure. Coaches will tell them a lot of different things just to get them to commit. And so you know whether it's you know a real honest pitch or not, uh, all the all the coaches are concerned about is selling it. So you know it just all the all the coaches like you said they say oh we don't negatively recruit. Yeah, I got land in the Bahamas. I'll sell you too. So it's it's like it's like in politics, man. Right? Like it doesn't the the negative ad doesn't have to be completely true or completely nuanced. But if it, just if get it works, people thinking, right? If it works uh, and get some negativity out there, it it can help. And Illinois obviously struggles just for positivity itself, though a bowl game certainly helps. I you, we got to talk about this though because this is a huge positive. I, I love what Lovey Smith is doing on the transfer portal. And while you have questions long term about it, Ryan. It obviously paid huge dividends last year. Um, Matt Torbebe, Peters, Batiku, even Pettibone and, and, and Eifor as starters made huge, huge impacts. And they probably would have been, what, three and nine or four and eight without those guys last year. Uh, now a lot of those guys are back outside of Batiku, who probably should have returned for Illinois. Mm-hmm. But all those guys basically are coming back. And now you have Brian Hightower to the mix. Probably going to have to sit out a year after the uh, NCAA news today uh, that the NCAA Board of Governors is not going to recommend a one-time transfer rule, which we can get to that, Ryan. But Brian Hightower is just another really very talented piece. Four-star wide receiver out of Miami. Reminds me a lot of Bebe, right? I mean, there's a lot of that to you. And uh, to be honest with you, I love Jarosati and his fit on this team, and I thought he was going to be the most impactful guys in the first three transfers they got. But Hightower is such a big get at a position of need and a long-term position of need for Illinois. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the other transfers they've gotten, he has multiple years of eligibility. Now, with the news coming out today, very, very, very likely he's going to have to sit a year, which is fine. You've still got him at Bebe, but having both those guys in the field at the same time would cause a lot of matchup problems. So that would have been interesting to watch. But on the flip side of that, he basically comes in and fills right in after Bebe leaves. I mean, you watch their film side by side with each other. They're very, very similar. You know, they're not necessarily burners. Uh, Hightower is probably a little bit faster than Bebe was, but similar body type, similar ability to just go up and get the ball. Both have huge hands. Both have great ability to just separate using the right moves. Um, pretty reliable catcher, pass catchers. Um, and they're guys that, they aren't necessarily deep threats, but they do give you the ability to stretch the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if, like I said, you put their tape side by side, it's, it's hard to, I I would almost want to do like a blind film test and just see like, you know, they do the thing with Kobe and Jordan and put them next to each other and showed kind of the similar moves. I think you could do something like that with those two guys, but being able to get, uh, you know, a go-to receiver, like a high tower that, you know, and that's, that's part of their sell is, you know, it's a guy that, didn't necessarily have all the success at his previous stop that he's having now or that he could have. Um, and what, 
Joshi Matroveve was able to do this past year at Illinois is a huge selling point for those transfers. And I think, you know, where you're lacking on the high school side, you can make a selling point to, Hey, you're not getting the respect at your current school. Come here. We know you're a player right. come here. We'll pl- plug you in and, and give you that boost. What, what do you think of, uh, I don't think I've asked you since Jarosati committed since Desmond Dan, and maybe even since Christian bell, uh, I would imagine Jarosati makes the biggest impact next year. Uh, Desmond Dan feels like a depth piece, and, and hopefully he can you know give you a little bit of a production at wide receiver. And and then Christian Bell feels like a little bit of a you know roll of the dice, but a position that is is your biggest need. How, how much impact do you think each of those guys makes? I mean, I think Jarosati is probably the guy, like you said, that takes the most snaps, uh, just because he's at a position they need. Uh, he's probably sliding into that guard spot that's vacated by Pettibone. So they've got an opening there on the offensive line. Otherwise, all the all the other four guys are returning starters. So that unit has a really good potential to be a great, great anchor for that offense. Um, Bell is interesting to me because Batiku ended up leaving and and staying in the draft. Um, you know, they've had especially when Roundtree was around. You know, it was kind of like, oh, Bobby's got that end of the line, but yeah. the other end of the line is is still open there's a lot of question marks at that defensive line position. They've got great depth there because of recruiting over the last two or three years with guys like Seth Coleman, Keith Randolph, Moses Hakpala eventually slides in there, uh, Owen Carney, but they need guys that just step up and own the position. Like who's, who's going to go out there and win the spot. Like there's a lot of guys that can play the spot, but who's going to go out there and be those two guys that really seize the day and take that spot. And that's where I'd be interested to follow, um, you know, if, if camp ends up happening or just whatever the preseason ends up being, whatever it looks like, I'll be interested to see what Christian Bell does because he's a guy that had a lot of potential and just, he's either battled injuries and he, you know, he transferred. So he's always kind of been behind the eight ball, which seems to be a common thread that a lot of the transfers Illinois is getting. Um, so, you know, if he goes out there and he reaches some of that potential and he's able to stay healthy, like, he, I think he could come out there and really be a great value pickup for them um, and maybe exceed some expectations. And listen, this is a great response by Lovey because they aren't getting top high school prospects. You wish they were, plus getting these mm-hmm. transfers, but they're not. But these transfers are allowing them a different avenue, Ryan, of getting top talent. I mean, we, we look at some of the best talents on this team. I've, I've thrown the stat out there so often, but seven of the top nine ranked players on Illinois' roster last year were transfers. This year, you could have as many as 12 former transfers start games for Illinois, and, and most of their best players outside the offensive linemen are, are transfers. Um, so kudos to them, because Eifler, they aren't getting that guy in, in high school, and he made a nice impact last year, and I think he can be an NFL prospect. Imator Bebe, Peters, you know, former top 200 guys, and we didn't even get to see Trayvon Sidney last year. Oh, and now Luke Ford's coming into the mix. I'm as high on Trace Brown as I think anybody is and have been for a while. So it's a great reaction to it, and I think it's going to give Illinois a chance to be really good. I think this is the best roster we've seen for Illinois football since 2011, Ron Zook's last year, and uh, it's all built mostly on on transfers and a solid first recruiting class uh, for Lovey Smith. So uh, I give him kudos for that. It's just the question then becomes, Ryan, can they keep that up? Is this a sustainable model of building a roster? I have questions about that, but if you could find the success in the transfer portal, leave five, six spots open for the transfers every year and find guys like they are even this year on top of good high school recruiting, then you might finally really take the leap Illinois fans are looking for. Yeah, we've kind of had this discussion before is should they have been doing this like two years ago? I mean, obviously the grad transfer market has blown up significantly over the last two years compared to Lovey's first year or two in Champaign. But you look at that, the, the differing approach that Brom took where it was the win now, let's get the guys in here, and then we'll, we'll figure out high school recruiting later, but let's get the transfer first. Uh, you know, they've, they've been able to have some success. I think to a degree it's sustainable as long as it doesn't become the lifeblood of your program. Right. One of the only programs that I can really think of off the top of my head, and I, I think I've brought them up before, that's really been successful with what you could consider a transfer is Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State used to just thrive on recruiting all those those Corn Belt JUCOs down there, uh, you know, in the Plains. I mean, Kansas State had a, a serious amount of junior college players on there, which at the time, you know, really just a two-year turnover uh, on the roster. So they were able to have success going that route um, for a number of years. 
But, you know, really what you're hoping is that it's, gosh, I hate that I'm throwing this word out there, but uh, you're kind of hoping that the, the grad transfers are more of a stimulus. Yes. Really. Stimulus know, it's, package. It's where, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, a, a other conference stimulus package. Yeah. But it's, it's one where you, you want to use those guys to get you back on your feet. And then the idea is that, you know, eventually you sustain yourself pretty much with prep players with the occasional gap filled with a transfer here and there. But, you know, if you're constantly having to rotate, you know, 10, 12 guys every class off the roster, because you, you take players that are, you know, juniors or seniors and then have to replace them that quickly. It's, it's tough. The one thing that they have done that's helped them in that is they've typically gone for multi-year transfers. So that's helped give them some stability, but if they get to the point where they're having to go with one year transfers, it's kind of in one door and out the other. I, the the hard part is is man they've they've landed some of their stars via the transfer portal. So you got to give them a lot of credit there. But you lose Brandon Peters, and well, I'm excited about Isaiah Williams, and I like Deuce Span as a as prospect, and we'll see if Karan Taylor or Matthew Robinson can do something. Uh, that's a big question going into next year. You could lose your five starting offensive linemen, right? You could lose uh, you lose four defensive ends after next year. You lose Nate Hobbs and Tony Adams, Jake Hansen, Milo Eifler. Um, so that's the dangerous part of this is, right, like I, I have no question Illinois is going to find good pros- or solid prospects. Uh, they do a good job of evaluating, uh, as you said, closing at the end of it. So this 2020 class, I think they can find solid guys and, and better guys than Beckman got, but that's not – the bar now the bar is doing what everyone else in the conference is doing. And I just think there are more questions long-term about Illinois roster building than, than really everybody in the big 10. Listen, Rutgers has a long way to go, but Chiano's got something going, right? I mean, he's selling something right now, Purdue and even Indiana's, you know, Tom Allen made a bowl game last year, had a really good season. So that that's the big question. I, I think this will probably be a good team this year. Um, and they're doing well in the transfer market. But it's is there a big cliff drop off, and are you back to square one back in 2021? Even though Marquez Beeson, Zay Williams, um, Keith Randolph, guys like that, I like, but you got to hit on those guys. Yeah, I mean the talent the talent they have on the roster right now is is definitely ahead of where they were under Beckman and Cubit, um, and a lot of those guys that they've been developing the last three or four years are now hitting the end of their time at the University of Illinois, and so it's that next group's time to step up. So how they develop the current freshmen and sophomores is going to be extremely important for the future of the program. Um, and that's where recruiting is, is so important. You know, this year they have an opportunity with all that experience on the field with, you know, fifth year guys like Imator Bebe and Peters still being out there. And if Sydney can come back and give you something, that'd be a big bonus as well. Um, but after that, there's a lot of roster turnover. And so how prepared that, next group of guys is heading into 2021 2022 is going to be very very critical um you know i I don't want to put this on one guy but man if if kendrick green stays on that offensive line and ends up not going pro that is a huge bonus to having a guy that can lead that offensive line for one more year and kind of ease them through that transition Um, especially just knowing all the calls being able to put guys in the right spots things like that you wipe that whole offensive line out and it's, it's starting from scratch and you've got quarterbacks that for the most part are going to be very, very green. Um, So having that comfort level of having an experienced offensive line in front of an inexperienced quarterback would be huge. Um, And you know, that if you graduate your line and your quarterbacks and your top receiver, that's a lot of turnovers. 2021 could be a pretty tough year. Plus you start picking up some tough schools back on that schedule again. So, you know, it's going to be really important that they preemptively build the program up to be ready for that drop-off that's coming between 2020 and 2021. Well, and that's the key there because, you know, Josh Whitman brought Lovey to have sustained success, right? We're used to Illinois to having this one great year and then down. So even if they win eight, nine games this year, have they recruited well enough the last couple of years and in this class uh, to capitalize and, and continue that momentum? That That's the huge question. And yeah, I think Rod Smith's offense could be pretty good this year. But when you lose your quarterback, all your basically all your wide receivers and bring Hightower in, and then your entire offensive line possibly, uh, that's the scary part of that. So I, I we'll see. We'll see how this all works out. But it's kind of the conundrum right now, uh, Ryan, is that you feel good about this one part of recruiting, but – you know, our, our message board right now is understandably upset about how they look compared to everyone else in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, and I think from the recruiting standpoint right now, like this this class, this past class, and this next class can be the really critical ones um, for getting over that hump once they graduate all these guys. You know, that's going to be your your next young core. You'll have some guys from a couple of years ago that'll, that should be able to step in and, and start to fill some of those gaps. But I think what's bothering a lot of people right now is they just feel like the staff's being out-hustled. Um, and, you know, given that you know what your needs are going to be coming up, given that you know you're going to have that much roster turnover – you know you've got to get some depth behind those guys because the guys that are that are kind of understudying your starters now, that's your next set of starters. And you've got to have guys that can back them up and start understudying them to be prepared so that you've got a good two deep. That's one thing that has taken time for Illinois to build is, you know, for the last four or five years, they really haven't had much of a, a quality two deep mm-hmm. on the, the depth chart. They've had some good starters, but then we've said it every year in the preseason – there's a big drop off between the starters and and the second string. And if somebody gets hurt, it could have a big impact at the position or, you know, you've got to shuffle some guys around then you've got guys that are playing out of position. So having a, that quality too deep, which is fueled really by recruiting, recruiting is the wood for that fire um, is going to be crucial. And so the sooner they can get that quality, those quality pieces in, get them up to speed, coach them up, that's, I mean, that's going to be really, really important for the long-term sustainability of the program. Last thing I want to hit on with you, Ryan, is I actually kind of like the future of the what the defense looks like. I just like the prospects they've recruited over there. I'm really high on Johnny Newton and Cooper Davis. Uh, I like Seth Coleman and, and Keith Randolph. I think those guys can turn into good players. Uh, Tariq Barnes was a big surprise at camp. I think he's going to be good. Shimon Cooper, we know, is talented. Uh, and what they did with Devin Witherspoon last year, plus you got Marquez Beeson coming in, and you got uh, you know Sidney Brown for a couple more years. It's really, I mean, the, the three positions I worry about most are offensive line because you still got to see something out of Jordan Slaughter, Virtus Brown, Julian Pearl, and uh, you brought, J- brought Jake J- uh, Blake Jarosadi in because you're not confident enough in those guys as redshirt sophomores yet. Plus that 2019 offensive line class was just a couple flyers on a couple guys. Uh, and then wide receiver, you've missed on some playmakers. We'll see what Casey Washington, James Frenchie, Kyron Cumby, uh, you know, Dale Von Campbell and Edwin Carter have struggled with injuries. Uh, but quarterback, I, listen, I'm, I'm a huge Isaiah Williams fan. I, I like Deuce Span as a prospect, but those are still big unknowns for you moving forward. So those are especially the positions that uh, I'm concerned about because I feel like defense, they've, they've just found guys uh, that kind of fit their roles. But offensively, uh, the last couple cycles have really left you wanting at the, at the wide receiver and offensive line especially. Yeah, I, I think they've got a lot of great, great pieces, especially in the front seven for the defense. Um, they've done a really, really good job of recruiting defensive linemen over mm-hmm. the last two or three classes. Uh, I think Keith Randolph has a, the potential to be you know, an all-Big Ten type player when it's all said and done. He's just got that size, that athleticism. You know, Being a, a basketball player for a long time, he's good athleticism, great feet. So I think he has a potential to be kind of that strong side defensive end. And then, you know, if a guy like Seth Coleman can fill out and and parlay that explosiveness onto the field, then, you know, you're looking at a guy that, or those two that could potentially fill, fill those bookends. You've got some other great players at those positions too, but I think those are the two that everybody's kind of got their eyes on long-term among the younger guys. Uh, Johnny Newton, probably one of your better three technique D tackles, he graduated a lot on the interior of the defensive line, so it's going to be important for guys to step up there uh, with Jamal Milan, Tymir Oliver, and um, th- with those two guys graduating, you lose a lot of a lot of reps there. Uh, you hope Calvin Avery can step in. Hopefully, yep. his conditioning is staying staying in good shape during the during the pandemic, and that he's you know getting ready to play. I know he's kind of got some some challenges just inherently, but. You know, he's a guy that has shown some flashes of being really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then the linebackers, you got another year of Jake Hansen. Um, Tariq Barnes flashed at, at times. Um, you know, as, as bad as he was at safety, Dawson DeGroote actually looked decent <laughs> at linebacker this last year. So I, th- I think he can give you some reps here and there uh, in certain situations. Maybe some matchups favor him better than others. Uh, Shimon Cooper, if he can, if he can continue to put that weight on, I mean, he's, He's still kind of young and still just not fully filled out. I think if he can get there, his instincts are really good, um, and he can be a guy that could potentially patrol the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think they've got some pieces. Then you've got Eifler for another year or two. Yeah. So um, 
you know, the defense is good. And then Witherspoon and Beeson, those are going to be your two guys at corner. And that's, you feel pretty good about that. I, I hope two Beeson guys stays that can healthy. Hold it down. I hope Beeson stays healthy, man. Cause he's electric. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to write a piece on him, not because people forget about him, but I think sometimes in your calculus of what this looks like, it's almost like, oh, Isaiah Williams wasn't a star as a freshman, so, oh, he's not going to be great. I still think he could be great. Marquez Beeson, we didn't see anything of besides the first week, but I can tell you, Ryan, that first week of practice, is the best, he was one of the best players on the field immediately, and Luke Ford could be he's that. Just a playmaker. Right? Yeah, Luke Ford could be that when he comes in. Yeah. It's, uh, it would be very interesting to see, but how long have you had that Jordan poster behind you? Oh man, this used to hang over my bed when I was growing up in like when I was like three or four years old. Man, it's the old ones. I think he's got like the the, the first Air Jordans on in the poster. Um, yeah, that, for I mean, people who are just listening to this on the podcast, uh, it's, it's Jordan flying through the air. It's almost it's it's godlike, right? It's it's Jordan just being a deity I mean, of basketball. I, I think it's real. I think it's a real photo. I, I don't know about you, but I think it's a real photo. I think he really did it. And I, that's my story. Hey, as Steve Kerr said, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I got to find my book. I got like 300 Michael Jordan cards. Uh, you can see some cards behind me, too. I got a Pippin rookie. And yeah, I mean, th- that team, man, like we were just so spoiled. I was Steve Kerr for Christmas one year. Like that, that's how much that <laughs> team meant to me. Yeah, I, I love that soundbite of Steve after that title. He's like, I guess I got to bail Michael <laughs> out again. Just, uh, was awesome. that, that team just had that chemistry. It was, yeah. it was fun, fun to watch. It was just a team full of misfits that <laughs> some crazy Zen guy named Phil Jackson <laughs> brought together and they, and they won a lot of titles. Well, you know how they are in Montana and uh, he figured it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ryan Easterling, great to catch up with you, man. Great to see you. Hope all is well. Yeah. You too, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. All right, great stuff from Ryan Easterling, Illini Inquirer, as well as David Lake, 24-7 Sports, on Brian Hightower, the Miami transfer. Hopefully you scratch your itch for Illinois football recruiting talk there. I know some of it not very positive with the prep recruiting right now, but also some positive with the uh, transfer market and what they're doing there. So it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out, what it looks like come signing day, and then we'll evaluate it then, and then we'll evaluate it couple years after that uh, but it's gonna be a very important season ahead and and the transfer certainly will help that regard thank you for listening to the line inquire podcast and uh, thank you for our members or premium members especially at illini inquire right now if you aren't a member you can get 30 percent off an annual subscription or one dollar for your first month try it out because there we give you your fix for illinois basketball and football recruiting and just the programs in general with all of our latest news breakdowns analysis and whatever scoop we have as well thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast as well if you don't subscribe to us rate us review us wherever you get your podcasts we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.